Hello. Thank you for joining us today. This is Baron with our Flawed and Favored podcast. Today, I have some questions for Angie. And so we'll just get started. So one, you and I are both married to some very driven, very passionate entrepreneurs. And so I want to know what has your experience been like being married to an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. Um, I think it is a gift. And that's the first piece of understanding that like, that's a gift seeing Mm -hmm. my husband through God's eyes. And I remember when we first kind of fell in love, you know, telling him those things of wishing he could see himself the way God sees him. And so that's a big piece of just seeing the gifts and talents that God gave him and seeing those things through God's eyes and not seen as, oh, he's just working late because he, you know, just wants to do this or that, or that's all he thinks about. Like just really seeing that he's using the gifts God's given him. And it has provided for our family that now I'm, you know, I stay home with our kids now and some, so many of those things. And you, because part of that entrepreneurial spirit has been uh, houses on, you know, either building or remodeling a house and then we'll sell it. So then we've been able to live in beautiful houses that then I've also been able to realize that it's just a house. It's just a tool Mm -hmm. and not, I don't like think so much anymore about caring about having the perfect countertops, realizing like it's all just a tool. So for me, it's been challenging at times and just challenging for the most part of just seeing how hurtful it can be for my husband when things don't go well. And, you know, just seeing the pain that he goes through and understanding my role as I'm an Enneagram two. So I'm a compassionate helper. And he is a for the Enneagram styles. He's an Enneagram three, he's an achiever. And um, just being able to see that and realize that he needs most importantly, my prayers, and my encouragement and that that affirmation is he's a, a his love language is affirmation. So um, just being able to give those things to him has been huge. And so for me, there's been benefits of it. And of course, there's been stressful pieces too. But I've kind of come from that background as well. My dad kind of just as a farmer. So I had a little bit of that in my background, but you know, been been challenging, but it's been good. I think God has put us together because of that. God knew who I was and knew who he was and (laughs) brought us together because of those things. Okay. So I don't think you touched on this, but as yeah, that is their gift from God. But I think sometimes entrepreneurial men or women is like they're doing so much for their business because their business takes so much of their time that they feel like they don't have time to serve in the church. But do you remind your husband sometimes you are serving him in your business? Mm -hmm. Have you had to show him that or has he seen the impact of that or the fruit of that while he's in his business? Yeah, I think he sees that pretty well because his main business, there were founders of it before him that really were amazing, godly examples that they really saw it as a ministry. And so saw it as a business that had, you know, employees that they were to pour into. So it's been neat for me to witness that, that I feel like he, he gets that pretty well with his business. So switching from your husband to you, I know before you became a stay-at-home mom, you worked in a lot of 
different nonprofits and leading organizations. And so right now we're seeing a lot of organizational changes and things having to shift because of coronavirus. And we have a lot of leaders of those organizations who are either stressed or in this unfamiliar territory. And I know you've led different trainings and just have so much expertise for leaders. So what would you, what would be some advice you would give our listener who is, who is leading an organization? Mm -hmm. Like what, what would you tell them right now? So many things about that. Like that is an area I feel passionate about because it's so important to one, take care of yourself as a leader and take care of yourself as a believer to just not burn out. And then it's also important to know that the work that you're doing is making a difference that you're not kind of going the wrong direction or spinning your wheels the wrong way. And so for me on thinking through that a little bit more, it's just asking that question. So what on so many things that you do, like asking that, and that's a powerful question. Two words is just, so what? So thinking on however many people you serve this year, so what? Were they better off? Did they need the services again? Did they need that help again? And really digging down into that from not just counting number of people that come through your door to be served, but counting about that long-term outcome. Did they really reach that result? And really thinking, well, what's what's needed to reach that result? Are we doing the right things? And so many times people talk about the number of people that they serve and don't think about really how much of a difference they made with that number of people they served. And so it's really getting down into that, looking at best practices. Um, and it's, you know, that term that I feel like I overuse with people, anybody that I've worked with, those outcomes of thinking <laughs> about those things of uh, what's really better off. And so if you're not looking at that, you need to go um, back to the table. A great resource, uh, there's a few of them, but Toxic Charity um, by Robert Lupton is a book that um, really made a big difference for me of just understanding as an organization, things that you can do to really make a difference and not um, things that are toxic because we can also be harmful to people sometimes with giving them things and them not having the opportunity to earn them and them not having the opportunity to provide those things themselves that they might be able to. I like that. It was so simple, but I like the question of so what, because we could be using that in every area. Like I yeah. would never thought of that. Um, you see people talking about, you know, my kids' grades, or they made all these touchdowns, or they did made score all these mm -hmm. points. Like, so what? Mm -hmm. Is their character better? Is, you right. know, is their relationship with God better? Mm -hmm. is, are they treating their friends better? Like you get down to what's actually important when you do ask those two simple right. words of just so what? Yeah. So mm -hmm. what? Yeah. Well, just think of our own life thinking of, okay, so I did all these things this month. So what, what's, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I love thinking through like planning and having a personal mission and doing those things for our daily weeks or our daily, our days and our weeks <laughs> of those things that make a difference. Those things that make a difference in the people in our own lives. We don't have to, you know, have national platforms. We don't have mm -hmm. to be anybody with a specific title, like just asking that. So what? in our own life. Like our, mm -hmm. so did we make a difference with our next door neighbors uh, at church this week? I heard a great example of if you moved out of your neighborhood, would it make a difference? Would it, mm -hmm. you know, really, would it matter? Would people know, would people care? Would people miss you? You know, would people be grateful that you moved out? <laughs> so <laughs> so <done. laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, it just, you know, it's a challenging question to ask in a lot of platforms. Mm -hmm. In a lot of your prior work experience and also with different church organizations as well is that you have worked with under-resourced communities. So how could the church serve those people who are popular? How could they do it better? Because mm -hmm. I know, you know, the church is... Uh, so the struggles. Yeah, you know, the church yeah. is primarily middle class, you know, and the, so many things are, are geared toward and designed towards middle class because people are middle class that are planning them. So I think the church in a lot of ways would benefit first from understanding why even we would call families in poverty under-resourced because um, poverty is really defined as a lack of resources. So a lack, a lack of, you know, money, a lack of relationships and a lack of purpose, you know, so that's a big area where the church could have an impact. So for me, I think it's helping the church just understand families in poverty better, understand those in those priorities for families in poverty, those things that are important to them. Ruby Payne has a book uh, called Bridges Out of Poverty that has a lot of great resources. She also partnered a book on how church members can help families in poverty. I think I'll I'll get the name for the show notes, but there's just so many things that we can do. But one of those things is understanding those hidden rules. For example, families or families in poverty are going to be very relational because they don't have a lot of resources or a lot of money. So it's really important in, for the church to be relational. They care more about the people that they'll connect with and, mm -hmm. and not necessarily what things look like or the setup. So there's so many different, you know, Ruby Payne uses the term hidden rules that mm -hmm. it's important for people from middle class to understand that people that you know have a, an income that they are able to meet their needs on a daily basis, that they are able to have some money and savings, that they are able to provide for their kids. So those individuals have the resources. They're not under-resourced. It's important for them to understand what families that don't have resources value and what they need. Yeah, that that is actually a very good book, The Bridges Out of Poverty. And I remember Crosspoint actually did a Bridges Out of Poverty class. Mm -hmm. And I remember we went to it. And so my husband and I both come from impoverished communities growing up, well, American mm -hmm. impoverished, yeah. but um, growing through that and being on the other side and then hearing about it again, it made so many connections with right. my childhood. Like, oh, that's why we did that. Well, mm -hmm. that's, that's what it's called. And that, that's why families are so close and mm -hmm. all the relationships are close. And like you said, because it's very relational and right. when you don't have the other resources, it's like you really depend on each other. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I agree that a great resource. Yeah. And just one tool of understanding the hidden rules, like with food, because that's always a great example. With food, people from poverty are going to ask that question. They're going to go somewhere and see, is there enough? Is yeah. there enough food for everybody? But that individual from middle class might say, is it good? Is it, was it you know, really good to eat? Was it a good burger? How was it cooked? And that person from wealth is going to say, was it presented well? Did it look not like, yeah. did it, you know, it's going to be a tiny little portion, but it's going to be beautiful and how it's presented. And it's like a piece of art. And so just mm -hmm. that from those three different backgrounds, that can kind of help you understand your own background yeah. by thinking of, you know, how you'd respond to that. So if as people walk into a church and as people inter communicate with each other and all those things, they're going to have different driving forces that pull them. An individual from poverty, their you know, driving force is going to be relationships. 
where somebody from, from middle class, it's going to be achievement, going to be getting the next job or getting the house or the boat or some of those things. Mm -hmm. And then those people from wealth, it's going to be those connections and, you know, who went to Harvard and those types of things, the colleagues that they could be connected to. And so it's just um, so interesting to think about that. And just a thing that it's important for the church to not just be in a bubble because it's no good when we don't have any diversity, whether it's racial diversity or whether it's financial diversity, economic diversity, it's then we're boring. You know, God like definitely wants, <laughs> wants people to be, you know, his kingdom is not going to be boring. Like as we're in heaven, it's going to be people from all different backgrounds. Yes. And so we can't impact other neighborhoods and other kingdom, other areas and communities if we aren't aren't diverse ourselves. And if we don't actually understand them. Yeah. And if we're not intentional about it, intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding anybody that's different than ourselves. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's very good. So is, is there any last comments or anything that maybe I forgot to ask that you want to share? Boy, I think you got it, Farron. (laughs) I'm just so excited to, um, to learn from you and share our own God stories together with other people and, and learn from the people we'll get to interview. Yeah. And I've, I even took notes of stuff you just said. I'm like, yeah, so what? I'm just going to start asking everybody that. <laughs> so that's a challenge, everybody. This week, yeah. ask that question. So what? So what? Yep. So good. So thank you all for listening today. And we just ask that you would click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts. And then you can also check us out at favorjourney.com. Or if you have questions for us, you can always post them on our blog or just email us at info at favoredjourney.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Please like, share, spread the word about it.